Welcome back to the Edge Church broadcast. I'm Pastor Gray. It is such an honor to come to you by way of media. Um, we call this our Edge Church Network, our broadcast. Uh, also remember that as we, uh, we will love to pray for you for any need that you may have. Uh, please feel free to send us your prayer requests. We will love to pray for you, uh, even if it's after the broadcast is over and you find yourself watching this and the Lord minister to you and you would like us to pray for you, please just add your prayer requests on there. Our team will see it um, and we will pray for your need. Tonight, we're back in the church of Sardis as we begin to unfold the seven letters that Jesus has written to the seven churches. If you missed last week's broadcast, I encourage you to go back and watch it again. It was such an amazing message, uh, as we talked about last week, that this church, Sardis, was a very rich church. They were wealthy. Um, they they lived in a place to where that uh, they were protected because they lived high up on the mountain, and they were surrounded by mountains, so no one can overtake their city because they had this fortress that was built up around them. But we know, too, just by last week, it was because of this false sense of security that they dropped their guards. And they became uh, a people that was very compromising in their walk with the Lord. Um, they became a people that um, lost their conviction. You know, anything go with them. There was so much wealth, so much money. Everyone loved each other. And this city was a city... Uh, just what pagan practices was happening at. And um, many theologians have pinned uh, the Apostle John to be the one that planted this church in Sardis. As we get into the scripture tonight, we find out that this church started off with a big bang. Like it started off in this pagan town with all this wealth, all this security. Um, it was a place that has never, ever been invaded uh, this was a place of security. Uh, this is a place where they made their own money. So um, as we unfold these letters about the seven churches, like we said before, that these letters are prophetic letters. And though that it is addressed to the church of Sardis, but it's a prophetic letter. And, and it warrant me and you to give attention to what the Lord is saying. For the Lord says that uh, um, you who have an ear hear what the spirit is saying to the church and in this text it says churches speaking of plur speaking of speaking to me and you uh, I want to get back in our text tonight so if you have your notebook and your bible tonight we're going to highlight some words here and I've been having fun just really just understanding the Greek and really just understanding the text of the scripture even more and just um, for Jesus says that the truth will set you free and so when we understand the truth of the text, now we begin to get something out of it. The revelation of the Lord come to us. And I want to start off by reading in verse 1, chapter 3 in Revelation tonight. We're unfolding this letter that Jesus wrote to the church of Sardis. And it says in verse 1, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up 
and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not sold their garments. And they will walk with me in white. For they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will not blot out his name. Out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's just open up in prayer before we begin to break down. Tonight, we're going to highlight verse 2 tonight, uh, verse 2 and 3. Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise tonight. I thank you for those who are joining us, Lord God, by media, even for those who are just stopping and just seeing what is going on tonight. Yes, you are here at an appointed time for the Lord Jesus is speaking to you. We have been praying for you. We've been praying for the body of Christ. So, Lord, I pray that every hearing ear and every seeing eye that, Lord, that your word will hit its intended target. Lord, I pray, Lord God, may your grace be released over our lives like rain. Lord, I pray, Lord God, for every troubled heart and every troubled mind. Lord, may peace rest upon them as we Open up your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, before we get into this, verse number one, and we already understand just by the previous letters that when the Lord says that to the angel, that that word means angel, angelos in the Greek. And that word literally means a pastor. So we know that Jesus is writing this letter to a pastor of that church or of the churches. Whoever is the overseer of that work, the Lord Jesus is writing to that church. This is very powerful here because it let us know God's divine order. It let us know what Jesus thinks about the church. You know, look at his order here. For the Lord speaks to the pastor that he may speak to the church concerning those things that are good what the lord is pleased about and those things that the body needs to be corrected in amen now the word church we understand that that word is ecclesia this is a very powerful word for me and you in the body of christ because ecclesia simply mean that uh those who have been called out separated unto the lord those who assembled together in the Lord's name. This is what this word mean. And this word also mean that it is called out ones uh, who are called out by God, given governmental powers on earth from the kingdom of God to shift regions, to shift states, cities, and even nations. You know, we're just not a church on the corner. I mean, I used to hear people say, yeah, I live in a city where there, there are churches on every corner. And, um, but in my heart, I'm like, man, glory to God, because the kingdom of God is in your city. 
to have a church on every corner. That means that every church that has been called by God has been given the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to be a lighthouse in that community. Man, the kingdom of God is in your city. And so even here in our city, in Gonzales, Louisiana, we have many churches here. And I'm blessed to be um, in a city where well, there are many churches. And so we know that God has his hands upon our city and we're believing God to do great things in our city. And so for those of you who are watching, I ask you to uh, support your local church. If you haven't been a church, I encourage you to get back in church because we cannot forsake the local gathering. You know, God speaks to his pastors that he may relay the message to the body. So I just want to encourage you. I know many people have been hurt in churches, things that's happened in churches. But I want to just encourage you and just let you know that uh, maybe your pastor did not mean to offend you. Somebody in the church, what if I told you that the enemy used that? Uh, use them to uh, uh, get you out of the covenant of God or get you out of the uh, local fellowship. So I want to encourage you to love God. Keep your eyes on Jesus and know that there is power when we come together. Amen. Um, we're going to get started here. Uh, in verse number uh, one, when Jesus says the words of him who has. Now that word has is the Greek word echo. This word simply means that God, he is holding the seven spirits of God, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars in his hand. Now, this word has means echo, which means that this is something very personal. This is something that is um, um, something near and dear to the heart of the Lord. And he said that with compassionate love to what that I have this, this is within me. Uh, I have or or he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Uh, so the Lord, knowing that this church is in desperate need, remember that we read that Jesus said to this church, wake up, wake up, wake up, and strengthen what remains. Now, what is very powerful here is that the Lord says that uh, I have everything that you need. Not just, now when I speak of the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you as, as living stones, God's walking billboards, his church, his ecclesia. When we come together, we make up the church. Amen. So what God said that every church have access to the seven spirits of God. Very powerful word here. What is the seven spirits of God? It's the Holy Spirit. And we see the fullness of this when Isaiah began to prophesy and he began to list out the characteristics of the of, of the workings of the workings of the seven, seven spirits of God. And that's in uh, Isaiah 11 and 2 when he says that the spirit of God shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, counsel, uh, knowledge, uh, understanding, uh, the fear of the Lord, the might of the Lord will rest upon him and will rest upon his shoulders. What Christ is saying that everything that this struggling church need is being held in the same hand that he is holding this church in. He is holding the, the seven pastors in his right hand and he's holding the seven spirits of God in his right hand. This is very powerful because what Christ is saying that uh, there is no reason that you should be dying. There's no reason that your church should be struggling. There's no reason individually to that you think that you don't have what it takes to succeed. 
He said that I am holding you in my right hand. And not only that I'm holding you, but I'm holding the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my hand. You are joined together. It is a marriage ceremony. And if you believe that, if you're listening to me tonight, the Spirit of God will come upon you whether you need might in this season. If you will yield yourself to God, God will give you might to conquer the giants that is trying to overtake you. If you need counsel, the counsel of the Lord is there for you. If you need knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord is there. Wisdom, wisdom is there. Understanding, it is there. And most of all, the Lord said, the fear of God is there. And I believe that many today have moved away from the fear of God. And we need to come back to that. But Christ, he gives this description as he gives to all seven churches. But to this one church, he says, I am the one who have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Letting this church know and the pastor know that I am holding you in my hand and I care for you deeply. And I have the seven spirits of God. What you need to be successful in your ministry, in your city, in that church. Now, the seven spirits of God, we talked about that. It is the, uh, uh, this is the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is being poured out more than ever. I believe that in 2020, this Pentecost that we just had, something happened, something shifted. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been released even more. Um, Paul began to say that every man has a measure of faith. This is very powerful here. Because what the Lord is saying that there is a measure of the Holy Spirit that is given, whatever that you need. Now, there is the fullness that we can receive, all seven, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We understand that kings operated with wisdom. Hallelujah. Glory. Um, as we get more into this, um, the seven stars, and this is just a recap from previous weeks, previous teachings. The seven stars in Revelation 120, um, John began to reveal what he saw in the spirit. And he says that the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches and the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. We understand that this term angel speaks of, a, of the pastor. Every pastor, if you belong to a local church, God sees your pastor as a star that he holds in his right hand. And we need to honor those who God has placed over us. Amen. We need to honor what God has placed on a life. We need to honor them. Think about what a star is like when you walk out and you and you look up into the sky and you see the stars. What does that star gives? It gives light. It illuminates. And that's what each pastor is supposed to do. It's supposed to give counsel to his body is supposed to give light to those who need light it is supposed to illuminate the city and even the church and those who are connected to that local work your pastor is just not someone who went to, through a seminary school if they've been called by god man god is holding them in his right hand i just want to bring back honor to that role of the a pastor 
because sometimes we can get away from that to that we don't honor that but just know that they are recorded in the book of revelation to that someone that god is saying that these are the ones who are the keepers of my flock and i am not pleased with some things that are happening in my flock let me talk to the one that is shepherding my flock on earth that pastor amen glory to god now he says in verse one I know, and we know that this word in the Greek means order, O-I-D-A. And it means that I perceive, I know, I have walked in your midst, I have placed my eyes on it. This is not something that someone prayed to me about you. This is something that I've put my own eyes on and I've seen it myself. I know your works. And listen what he says here. You have a reputation of being alive. Now I want to pause there. A reputation of being alive. This give us understanding that this church started off with a big bang. This church was recognized by the other six churches as being alive. Man, the church in Sardis, they are on fire. They are alive. You, you just don't get a reputation because you tell somebody how great you are. Something happened in the beginning. They had an explosive beginning. And Jesus Begin to highlight that. He says, you have a reputation. That means something happened. They started off with fire. They started off with the spirit of God. They were in a city where darkness was at. Um, but the church was planted in this dark city. And it brought about a glorious light. And it gained this reputation of being alive. This church in Sardis is alive. But listen what he says here. He says, but you are dead. You have a reputation, but you are dead. That word but in the Greek actually means that um, you have come away from the thing that, that made you alive. But you are dead. In construction, I was working in this chemical plant and when I read this statement of you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. It reminded me of when I was walking in this chemical plant. And for some of you who don't know, my background is a, um, is a uh, health and safety manager. So uh, I'm walking through and just doing my, you know, daily, you know, observation. And as I'm walking through, you know, I'm just kind of looking at everything, just observing some things. And, and I noticed this employee dressed in all of his PPE. Uh, he has on his harness. He has on these uh, his glasses, gloves. I mean, had on everything. And so I'm just kind of watching some other employees. And um, and what caught my attention about this employee was that there was a forklift by him, and he was just standing alongside the road there. And I just kind of glanced over, just saw him, and and I went back to this crew that was working. And when I began to shift my eyes again, I. I captured this guy again, and I'm looking at him because I noticed his position didn't change. His posture didn't change. And I'm like, man, this guy has really got on his PPE like he's really wearing this stuff. I wonder if he's the owner of this unit because he is overly wearing this PPE that, that is required. Like, I mean, he is suited up, you know. Nothing can get in. No chemicals can get him. I mean, he's really wearing this right, and and I take notice of him and I'm looking at him and I take a further look into the matter. Come to find out 
It was a life-size mannequin <laughs> dressed up. So this is one of the things that this site, this chemical plant did to ensure those who work in their facility to make sure that they wear all the PPE, what it looks like. And that mannequin can be a constant reminder that they have their headgear on, their eye gear, their ear gears on, and, and all the proper PPE that they need to have on to successfully do their job. I was reminded of that when I read this text about when Jesus said, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. This is what Jesus means: is that you have a mannequin church. You have all the dressings. You have a reputation, but you're dead. Nothing is alive about you. You have the outer appearance. You have the reputation, but you're dead. And what he's talking about being spiritually dead here. And so when I think about this, you know, as even us in the body of Christ, you know, many times we can dress ourselves up. We can look like we have it all together. We can have our Bibles in our hand. But literally, we've been slipping away and falling away from God. And spiritually, we are dying on the inside. And Christ is addressing this church because he said that you have this reputation like all is well. Remember, this is a very wealthy church. And sometimes, you know, when a church begins to die, uh, it can look like many things. You know, it can look like if that church is not growing, um, if that church is not progressing to where that you have the older generation, the middle class and, and the younger generation. You know, those can be signs that a church can be dying. But also, you can be a church that's very wealthy with a lot of money in the bank. But the spirit of God is not there. You have the outer appearance, but you're dying. Jesus is addressing a dying church. He said, you have a reputation, but you're dead. These are very powerful words here. Let's just shift off of a building because I know many of you thinking about a building, but I want to speak to you personally tonight because sometimes we can dress up, we can have the Pentecostal shout, uh, we can say all the right things, but but inside, we know that something has changed. Like our hearts really don't burn for the Lord. Like we're, like we're, that burning is not there. That desire to be in the house of God, to be involved, you know, just a witness to tell somebody about Jesus. We notice that that has died out in us. Some may even call it maturity, but no, it's, we're dying out. Amen. Are you still following me tonight? And he says, uh, back in the text here, he says, but you're dead. And what are we going at tonight? We're highlighting this tonight in verse number two. He says, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And he says, and strengthen what remains and is about to die. Now, he's saying that. There are some that are dead, but he's telling his church to wake up. And what this word and word means is that there's an urgency because Jesus is telling them that the enemy is seeking whomever he may devour. He's saying, wake up from your slumber. You have to wake up. He is telling his churches just like Jesus. He loves us so much. To what that he constantly begin a, a, a tap on our hearts and knock on the doors of our hearts. And he said, wake up. And what this wake up may mean that we can meet somebody. 
who may remind us what we should be in the Lord. We may meet somebody who may uh, uh, um, bring a conviction about our heart, about the way how we're living. And he said, wake up. You have to wake up. For the Bible says that if the thief knew what time that, uh, if the owner knew what time the thief was coming, his house would not have been broken into. His house would not have been robbed. But listen what Jesus is saying here tonight. He says, wake up and strengthen uh, what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God and his angels. And I believe that this is a cry throughout the earth today. That God is telling us, the body of Christ, to wake up. Wake up out of religion. Wake up out of this slumber. Jesus has to be like a billboard under our eyelids to where that we are in love with him again to where we're telling everyone about Jesus. We are the light of the world. When was the last time you felt like you was the light when you walked in your workplace? When you walked in a grocery store, when was the last time that you felt like you was just this illuminating light walking through the store because you know that God is with you? When was the last time that you went in public and you asked God, God, just show me one that I can witness to, one that I can shed light on. He's telling this church, wake up because the enemy is looking for you. He is trying to breach your walls. He is trying to break into your house. He's trying to steal your goods. He's trying to rob you. I need you to wake up. This is a spiritual urgency here. And I say this over household and marriages tonight. Maybe you're going through warfare right now in the home. And I feel like the Lord is speaking to marriages. He's speaking to homes and families. He's saying, wake up, snap out of the arguments. Snap out of the foolishness of an argument and begin to pray and seek because the enemy is looking for a door so he can come in. Strengthen what remains. Here's the procedure of the enemy, of Satan. He come to do three things. Here's his procedures. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's his procedure. We understand that the enemy used wiles. He attacks the mind. We understand by 1 Peter 5, 8, that the enemy is looking for whomever, whomever that he may devour. We understand from the story of Job when God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, how could I? You have a hedge of protection around him. Letting us know that he's been walking around this hedge of protection, trying to find an entryway so that he can rob Job. That same enemy exists today. And what God is telling this church to wake up out of your slumber. We remember the church of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. They was a big church, but this church had purging power. Any ounce of sin that tried to come into their ministry, try to slip into the flock. They saw it. They dealt with it and they got that out of there. Amen. But God says, wake up and strengthen what remains. You know what God is saying? That there are things that have died. And I want to just speak to you prophetically. There are some things that have been completely, that have completely died in your life. And those are the things that we need to move on from. And listen what the Lord says. Strengthen what remains. 
or what is about to die. There are some things that are about to die. The things that still have life in it, but is barely hanging on. Grab hold of this and speak life into it. Grab hold of this. Wake up and begin to pray. Don't drop your spiritual guards. Don't allow these false securities of life to make you think that all is well. But wake up and pray. Pray and press because the enemy is looking for compromise. He's looking for the church to drop her guard. He says, wake up and strengthen. Now, one thing that we notice here is that in every church, God says that I see your works. I know the things that you've done. I've walked inside. I've observed these things myself. But he walked in the church of Sardis and he saw the works and he says, but your works are not complete before my father or his angels. This is a big statement here. The works of this church, what they did, they weren't honorable to the Lord. They wasn't given unto God. And God is saying, hey, right there where you are, you can't fix the things that have happened. But the things that are right there before you, grab hold of this by this warning. Wake up, strengthen that today. Repent and come out of this slumber. And when you wake up right there where you at, begin to give your whole heart that day, that moment into the works of God, into the walk of God. Put everything into it. This is what he's saying here. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, now we're going to get a little bit um, in, um, into this next part here. He says, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Verse 3. What we're we closing at here tonight. He says, remember then what you have received. Now, this is a big word, remember. This speaks of as if you have, um, like if you have movies downloaded on your computer or, you know, if you have great memories of things that happened in the past. This is what God is talking about. He says, remember, go back and play that moment again. The moment when you was on fire for me. Remember that moment. This is why that there is power in remembrance. God is saying, remember. Uh, if you're at home tonight, I want you to just say remember. Because you need to remember. Remember then what you receive. This is strong here. Remember when you came to me. Remember when you first experienced the anointing of God on your life. Remember what you have received. Remember when you received Christ at the altar. Remember what it felt like, how you felt like a thousand pounds came off of you. Remember that. Remember what you have received and what you have heard. Remember. Play it back in your mind. Hit the rewind button. Go back into your memory and play it back. Remember that moment. And this is what God is saying even to the prodigal sons that may be watching, even to those who are backsliding. You need to remember the moment when you encounter God and keep playing it over and over and over and over and over and over until you begin to catch fire. John says what you have received in the beginning will remain in you. All I got to do is remember, begin to stir up the flame. Hallelujah, glory. 
Remember what you have received. Remember what you've heard. Then he says, you need to keep this. Keep this. This is what he's telling this church that is struggling. He's telling them how that they can correct themselves. He is telling them how they can be in right standing with him. And if you're backsliding as you're listening to this, if you feel that you have not been living for God the way that you should be living, to, living for him, hear me tonight. Hear what God is telling the church of Sardis who are backsliding. He says, remember what you have received and what you have heard. And he says, keep this and repent. Repent. That word means that you need to change the direction and where you're going. Not being remorseful, not making people feel sorry for you, but that this is a heartfelt change in your heart because you remember when God touched you. Have you ever just been in the presence of God and you just prayed and and all of a sudden, you know, God showed you maybe something, a situation that you didn't handle right? Or, or God just showed you just this spot in your heart that he want you to deal with. And you just begin to weep because you didn't know that this was a wrong. And you're just so sorry and you're so repentant of that. You know, truth came and you turned away from that and you corrected your life. This is what Jesus is telling the church. He said, you need to repent. You need to change the, from the direction that you're going. And you need to come back. But the only way that you're going to do this, if you remember what you heard. Uh, and, and then you need to repent. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. <clears throat> he says, if you repent. Now. Jesus will constantly knock on the doors of your heart. This church is struggling. The works of this church. He said that they're not complete before my father. But Jesus still takes the opportunity to save them. Repent. Repent. For you that are watching. Maybe you have not been living right. Maybe that you may say that God, you may not find my works honoring, but I want to repent and I want to give my life back to you. He says, because if you don't, there are going to come a time. I will come like a thief. Look at that in your word. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. Jesus has been warning them, just like many of us. You know, if there's danger ahead, you know, the Holy Spirit will keep warning us that there's danger. You know, there's something in us that is not settling right. That's the Lord nudging us, you know, keep warning. And he says that if you don't wake up, if you don't respond, there has to be a response. You got to wake up. You can't fix everything what happened, but what he said, strengthen what remains and what is about to die at that moment when you wake up. Work on that right there and carry that out. Amen. He says, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Man. This word thief is that Jesus said that he will come unnoticed. <laughs> he will come unnoticed. 
A time that you're not thinking? A time that you're not watching? In this very moment and in this hour right now, the body of Christ need to be watching for the return of Jesus. We need to be telling our children that the return of Jesus is very soon. We need to make sure that we're giving God our whole hearts and that there is nothing inside of our hearts. Amen. Tonight. As we close here tonight, um, if you need us to pray for you tonight or just a prayer need or a prayer request tonight, we'll love to pray for you tonight or just pray over your prayer need. If there's a healing in your body, maybe you're the one I was speaking to tonight. Find yourself away from the Lord and you want to rededicate your life. Please let us know that text that on on here tonight so we can see that. But I want you to hear the letter that Jesus is writing to this church. He's saying, wake up. And if I leave you with anything, I'll leave you with this. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to love our neighbors more than ourselves. It's time for us to see people the way that Jesus sees them. Wake up. The time is near. I say that with my whole heart. I believe this. The time is near. Many people are looking for many different solutions and people. There are many people speaking out. We have a lot of things that are happening in our nation right now. Our nation is trying to be divided. But what God is looking for is the ecclesia. His light to shine in this period of darkness. He's looking for the unity. And in this uproar that is happening right now. The church should be boots on the ground unified. To where that people are getting saved. In the midst of this turmoil. But God is asking men you to wake up and to rise up. To be unified. It is not about our denomination. It's about Jesus. It's about us rallying around Jesus. We're in Christ. The Bible says that when Jesus was hung on the cross. He has taken on all sin. Everything that the world had to offer, he took it on, including racism. He took that on to himself and he defeated that. And all those who call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Paul said, it is not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. This should be our message. We're in Christ where he has overcome the world. 